Welcome to Tech Talks, the technology podcast with David Savage and Jack Pierce, publishing on Mondays and Thursdays. This is the show packed full of interviews and debate with technology leaders for the love of tech. On today's Tech Talks, we are interviewing the Member of Parliament for Bristol North West, Darren Jones MP, uh, Member of Parliament for Labour on the Select Committee, uh, Cross-Parliamentary Select Committee for Science and Technology. But before that, the rain's getting harder, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I decided that it might be a good idea for us to sit outside so as to not annoy everyone else in the calf. But Thank you. Yeah, I wonder if this is going to be one of our more soothing podcasts people can listen to when they go to sleep. Some yes. lovely ambient noise. We might have to just make sure we, we speak up a bit. I like it. I like it. Show over the rain. <laughs> and yeah, we're joined by Sean. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> lovely to have you with us. Thank you, thank you. Isn't, isn't May delightful? Oh, I mean, it's, yeah, it's so good. It's. I've never known May because May... Obviously, early May sticks in my memory always because it's my birthday and Rosie's yeah, birthday. Yeah, and mine. And yours as well, right? It's always nice. Always. Yeah. But last year it rained. Yeah. This it? year it yeah. rained. I felt so hard done by. This last was the, year, first, the first time it's ever rained on my birthday this year. But you went into a pub, so did it really matter? No, it didn't matter at all. What? This it's pub. the principal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This pub, by the way, the George Tavern on mm. Commercial Road. I recommend anyone just going on their Wikipedia. It's an incredible pub. Nick Cave's played in there for one, and it used to be like a heroin den. Oh, an amazing pub. <laughs> there was no Nick Cave or heroin when I was in there on Saturday. I just want to clip that little bit. It used to be a heroin <laughs> heroin den. Amazing place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it outside just looked like a skag end. Yeah. <laughs> um, how was your birthday? Oh, that was wonderful. Full of food, Prosecco. Um, and good friends, yeah, it was, uh, it was a lovely day. What do you think of the news that there are going to be three more Star Wars films, given that it was just May the 4th? Well, it's um, it's so it's the new trilogy for the Game of Thrones writers. Yeah. And I'm not a massive Game of Thrones fan. And Rianne Johnson is on to direct. Rianne, you mean Ryan. Ryan. R-I-A-N. <laughs> just Ryan. Is it? Just Ryan, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, fine. Um, now, that is worrying because of what he did with The Last Jedi. But oh. the only reason The Last Jedi... The Last Jedi is a good film. But it doesn't fit with the narrative, right? That's what everyone said. No, I loved it. But I think when he gets his own trilogy, it's going to be great. Um, and we've also got The Mandalorian this year as well, as well as obviously episode nine. Yeah. Big year. Yeah. Sean, was... Sean could not care less. No, I <laughs> I haven't watched The Last Jedi. Uh, it's I good. Wait, what was the one I watched? Rogue One. I enjoyed that. Rogue One's sick, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because of the way they all just, it's just like everyone just dies at the end and you're like, oh, oh yeah. shit. Oh, yeah. Spoilers. Spoilers. No, 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 yeah, no, 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 no. that's too old now. Yeah, Rogue One also. It now, it's too, too, too late. And it also precedes A New Hope. Like, it ends 10 minutes before A New Hope starts. Like, if you don't know the outcome of Rogue One, I've got no sympathy. Yeah, but you also don't know that everyone involved in the mission, mission died. You don't know that they all die. That's true. Um... But, oh, well, the moment's passed now, so no, I have to deal with it. It doesn't matter anyway, yeah. <laughs> right, so, um, insurgency, labour, I'm struggling for a tenuous link here. Well, no, we, <laughs> tech, tech is still very much seen as the dark side. Oh, there we go. Yeah, oh, nice. uh, with the government, the government see tech as some kind of Sith alchemy. So, um, I would say but that Darren... But if tech is the dark side, then what a government... Wow. Well, no, government sees tech as the dark side. They're too afraid by it to do anything about it. So it's rising, 
in in the background regardless, but nothing's being done to stop it. Okay. And what, Darren is a Jedi master desperately trying to get the, mess- the message out to the effective council? Darren is Obi-Wan, looking, <laughs> looking and mentoring I, New we, Hope. We've gone far enough with this now. <laughs> um, let's hand over to Darren. As we said, he is our guest this week. He is a member of the Cross-Parliamentary uh, Science and Technology Committee. Um, and, yeah, in this interview we're chatting about government's approach to tech uh, and regulation and their relationship, I suppose, with big tech. So enjoy, stick with us after this for a bit of thought, and then we'll have some news later in the show. So today we are chatting to Darren Jones. Uh, Darren, you're a member of parliament for, is it West Somerset? I might get this wrong. So you, you tell me your constituency. So, so, so I'm a Labour member for Bristol Northwest. Cool. Uh, if you don't mind me asking, before we became an MP, let's kind of rewind quickly. Yeah. What, what was your background? So I was a technology telecoms lawyer, so just before my election I was an in-house counsel at BT Group, mm-hmm. um, but before that I'd been in private practice for a number of years working in energy and telecoms. And now you're a member of the Cross-Parliamentary Select Committee for Science and Technology, I am. chaired by Norman Lamb? Correct. Cool. How many members are there on that committee? Oh, it's changed a bit because people come and go, so if you get a job with the government you have to come off of it. I think there's, I think there's about nine or ten of us now on a cross-party basis. If you don't mind me asking. What is the role of the Select Committee, first of all? Because I mean, I I assume that people will assume that they know, but it's worth just kind of making sure. Well, firstly, the Science and Technology Select Committee is one that I think should be much more prominent in people's minds because it's one of those select committees that's able to hold the government to account across every single department of government, Mm. where there is a science or a technology angle, whereas other uh, select committees can only hold to account the departments that they work in. So Bayes would look at Bayes, for example. Mm. Um, now, traditionally, my select committee has had a heavy focus on the science part of our name. So looking at research councils, universities, spending and innovation. But increasingly, certainly since I've been on the committee, we, ha- we keep emphasising the technology part of our name as well, because that is inherently part of every area of government policy now. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? Because we, 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 there is a digital minister, I mean, Matt Hancock, before he was health secretary. Yeah. But it does stand to reason that you would work across all of those various different departments holding them to, to account because technology pervades every part of society. So it's almost like, well, why do we need a, I, I, I know why we need a digital uh, minister, but in fact, everybody should have that element in their role anyway. Well, they should, and this is part of the confusion. I mean, cybersecurity is a prime example of this problem. Mm. I mean, the guy that's in charge of cybersecurity policy is called the Duchy of Lancaster. I mean, I don't know why you'd call the cybersecurity minister <laughs> the Duchy of Lancaster. Essentially, David Lidington is the deputy prime yeah. minister in the cabinet office. But then you have people in the Department for Digital Culture, Media and Sports, so the, the digital minister, Margot James, who has mm. responsibility. You have people in Bayes in the business department looking at cybersecurity as an industry. Uh, you then have people in the home office looking at cybersecurity in terms of economic crime. You then got people in the foreign office looking at cyber warfare. You then got people in the Ministry of Defence looking at cyber capabilities. Yeah. Uh, and so you have, you know, in one way you've got these people across the department, but in my view they're not coordinated particularly well. And I would rather see a digital type minister in the cabinet office leading on behalf of the prime minister across the whole of government. Now. If you don't mind me asking, on this podcast we have spoken to the likes of public and we've spoken about the role of of government in regulating tech previously. What do you see the best role being for government playing in regulating tech? Because it it doesn't seem particularly obvious. There's been calls for a digital regulator. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I've seen kind of conversations where you know we've we've had kind of public on the show, and it's like, well, where, how how does central government fit into the picture when there's there's really good innovation happening at a local level? So I'd just be interested to find out from you what your view is on how government can can best regulate tech because it's it's not clear. So I think government has three roles to play, and I don't think government plays any of them well. I think the first role the government has to play is the role of you know, leadership of a strategic state. Mm-hmm. You know, we have some huge economic challenges in this country, Brexit to one side, uh, including, in, in, including productivity of the economy, but also the way that we need to transform our public services to meet increasing demand when there's not enough money coming in to pay for them. That has to be at the heart of the technological revolution. There must therefore be a state that leads that and doesn't just leave it to the market. So that's mm-hmm. job one. Job two is, of course, regulating and setting the rules domestically in the UK. What is and isn't okay? You know, the online harms white paper that recently came out from uh, from Margot James and Sajid Javid from the government, I think, is a good step in the right direction. But then the third point as well is also how do you do this on a multilateral basis internationally? You know, we start thinking about the rules of the game around artificial intelligence, for example. It's all well and good if we do things, you know, good ethically and well in the UK, but you know, what if the US or China decides to do something very differently? The type of world that we live in today and the pervasiveness of technology means that that's a problem for us too, in a way that perhaps the different geopolitics and regulation in the past wasn't. And so we should be playing a much stronger role abroad as well as at home. Picking up on that third point, that's an interesting one. Because obviously you kind of mentioned China, everyone is reasonably familiar with the, with the social scoring system. Mm. And that obviously comes with huge problems around bias and transparency and restriction of civil liberties. But equally, you could look at the states and you could look at kind of schemes like Go365 and utilising Fitbits to uh, place restrictions around teachers' access to, 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 to benefits. How, how can the UK play a role when you've got two very different states using technology in quite a similar way to restrict those civil liberties? Well, a difference of approach internationally is not anything new because, of course, it's based in the different way in which you choose to run your country. So, yeah. you know, Western liberal freedoms, you know, are not perhaps the type of uh, way you would describe the way the Chinese government make decisions about things like privacy or freedom of speech or expression. Uh, and so these are kind of old school issues just coming out in a new school way through the right. use of technology. But there's, 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 there's two different things that's important. One is how do you protect UK citizens' data when it is either transported or used abroad? You know, the European Union has been at the forefront of that with GDPR, GDPR yeah. in its extraterritoriality, is that the right word? Anyway, applying abroad as well as at home um, uh, in a way that has you know, increased the standard or, or, or indeed the willingness to increase standards across the world. But then the other issue is not just about citizens' data, but the impact of technology around the world on our countries in terms of economics, but also in terms of security. Uh, and you know, AI, for example, and cyber capability as a defence and security issue is something that's important to us too. And that's why I say this multilateralism, uh, whether it's in NATO with the UN or a new body that looks specifically at these technology implications is something that we should be thinking about. Look, out of interest, do you think that policymakers have the, have the right toolkit to do this job? I mean, I, I read a quote that was by uh, Mariana Mazzacate. Uh, yes, that's yes. it. Yeah. I, I'm awful with pronunciations. I screw up everyone's name <laughs> on this show. But there we go. Um, and, and they talk about government seen as problem fixers. She talks about government seen as, as problem fixers, but they have a narrow focus. Uh, and they should be active as co-creators of value. And I thought that was quite interesting because we do seem to obsess over individual cases and possibly 
miss an opportunity to take a step back and, and kind of approach issues from a, from, a, from a broader perspective. So Mariana's book, she's written two of them now, mm. uh, are, are super interesting. I'd encourage people to read them. She's kind of talking more about that, that kind of first job for government that I was talking about, which is mm. what's the role for the state using taxpayers' money as opposed to using regulation to create value and stimulate the economy. You know, the economic projections for the UK show a lack of economic growth over the next 20 years, a lack of wage growth over the next 20 years, a lack of tax revenue over the next 20 years, whilst the cost of providing public services continues to increase. So the question is, how do you solve that dilemma? Um, It requires the government to set missions for the market to respond to in a way that the the government doesn't currently do so. The government just regulates the fringes of the market at the moment. Mm -hmm. And Mariana says that there's a much bigger role for the state to play, which isn't old school, you know, nationalisation or state control, which some of my colleagues talk about the Labour Party, but it's more about the strategic state and enabling that kind of mission-orientated drive to solving some of our biggest problems. When we're thinking about AI, I think it's, it's, it's fascinating, you know, you've basically got large tech companies that are taking our unpaid labour in terms of the creation of our data, creating value from that, then turning profit. The internet was, in, I suppose it was initially envisaged as this ability to kind of decentralise power and in fact it's had the reverse effect. And with automation, I don't necessarily think that it's going to take away huge employment opportunities, but it certainly is going to change the nature of work. What what role do you see government possibly taking in terms of labour unions? I suppose there's this potential opportunity for wholly new types of labour unions emerging. Yeah, I mean, this is, you know, you could talk about this for weeks. I mean, and and we don't know all the answers to the questions, to be honest. I mean, you know, on on the trade unions, you know, I'm a labour politician. I support the idea of collective empowerment in the workplace. But my criticism is that on the whole, the trade unions have not made themselves fit for the modern age. They're still mm. based on a factory-based model of organising. I'm sure some of them would dispute that, but that's my, my general view. Yeah. And of course, we do know that lots of people's jobs will change or transition. I see that in my constituency in northwest Bristol, you know, a significant aerospace legacy. You go back 10 years ago, there were men turning widgets on aeroplane wings. It's now robotic arms kind of putting things together. So what, what role does the state have in that? It needs to be helping people reskill and transition into new jobs in a market that is being productive and stimulated by, uh, by, by the state. But there's also another angle there that's, which is really interesting, which is the role of these increasingly large private companies in the technology space. Because you know, a lot of them are US-based. Um, we've seen uh, tech leaders refuse to engage in political debate in the UK. My argument for that is because it'd be better if we're part of the EU because we have bigger clout, but we'll leave that for another <laughs> podcast. Um, uh, but private companies, in my view, shouldn't be making decisions about what rules should or shouldn't apply in this country. So uh, to take an example, and Facebook is always the company that comes up, but you know, we're saying to people like Facebook, we need you to take down content that's an online harm. At the moment, it's up to their private guidelines and their private enforcement teams decided in Silicon Valley what's okay and not okay in the UK. My view is that has to be decided by parliaments and governments with democratic mandate. And we've got much more work to be doing in setting the kind of rules um, in which tech industry should be playing. Yeah, it's interesting, kind of touching on something along those lines. I, I read a, an article that was questioning, you know, should, should fake news be outlawed? Should there be some kind of 
punishment that goes alongside the distribution of fake news. I was at a talk last week, um, the AI Expo at Olympia, where they were talking about fairness within AI. And it's no, oh, it's okay, you know, when, when someone writes fake news on, on your Twitter feed, people know it's fake, they don't accept things that, that are written, but Actually, I kind of felt that that was quite a naive position and with deep fake and, and videos that could well become viral, that's got to be a cause for concern, right? Yeah, um, you know, people are busy, social media is quick, people don't check whether something is fact or not. And if it backs up their own opinion, they tend to just accept it. Exactly. And this is, you know, it's having a huge impact in our democracy, not just here, but around democratic countries too. But again, I'd go to the question, who defines fairness and who enforces it? That shouldn't be a private company that has legitimate but commercial interests, it should be the state. Equally, you don't want the state to go too far because you need to be able to maintain these freedoms, mm. uh, you know, for privacy, freedom of expression, and so on and so forth. But we've really got to move the debate on now and saying, actually, there is something the state can do here. To, to my mind, you know, having worked in regulated sectors in the past in energy and telecoms, a lot of it feels pretty similar. You know, there is a way in which you can bring forward a regulator that has informed evidence, expert-based um, enforcement powers within a set of parameters set by Parliament so that politicians aren't having to decide the detail of all of these things. Mm. Uh, and I just think that that's where we will end up. And the online white arms uh, paper, sorry, the online arms white paper um, is, is kind of moving us in that direction, which I think is welcome. Do you think that your, well, first of all, do you think that your parliamentary colleagues on both sides of the house really understand the scale of change going on. I don't know whether that, that applies as well to some of those people that have ministerial briefs. And do you as a select committee, do you think, have enough clout to impress upon those who maybe don't exactly the scale of change going on in industry? So no to all of those uh, right. questions. Which is worrying. Uh, which, which is worrying. I mean, look, so, but, you know, there's not very many of us in Parliament that kind of deeply involved in this debate, mm. probably because there's not many politicians that come from backgrounds involved in technology. Sure. Um, uh, there is an increased interest, um, but it doesn't get a, a lot of airtime in Parliament. People have become very informed in it. I mean, I run a group called Labour Digital in the Labour Party, which tries to help upskill colleagues on this stuff. Uh, I know there's equivalents in the other political parties too, but... Uh, it shouldn't just be something that Darren Jones does. It should be something that's relevant to all of us, whether you're concerned about quality house building or delivery of health and social care or how we improve educational outcomes or whether you're interested in defence and security. All of those uh, outputs are going to be affected and hopefully positively impacted by the adoption of technology and digital solutions. Um, but we're not in the right place. And that's not uncommon. You, know, you saw the Zuckerberg um, uh, mm. questioning in the US. Yes. You know, it's a similar problem in many countries. I, mean, I found it quite interesting looking at the members of, of the select committee. They all appear to be from parts of the country where maybe there would be previously a heavily industrial workforce that might be quite heavily impacted by the changes in technology. And I wondered if that was possibly uh, somehow linked to the fact that they might take more interest in this because they're seeing firsthand what tech is doing to their to their constituents as opposed to maybe London where maybe some of these things can go by without people noticing so much. That's a good point. I don't know. I know we, were, we had quite a bit of criticism when we first started in this parliament. Um, well, first of all, because it was only men that put themselves forward for the select committee, which was right. a problem. Mm. That's now a bit better. Um, but also because we had a lack of people that had work experience either in science or, or, or technology. So the, the, the select committee is, is, is very engaged and, and, um, and proactive, and that's good. Mm. Um, uh, but there's much more work to do. 
Look, I know that you've got another meeting to go off to. I'm incredibly grateful for some time to come in and talk about this. Um, any final thoughts, any kind of big thoughts that you're particularly working on that you'd like to see kind of adopted more, more widely at the minute? The newest project that I'm working on um, is to try to provide a solution to this multilateral point that I raised earlier. Mm. Um, so I chair a group called the Institute for the Regulation of Artificial Intelligence, uh, which is kind of in pre-startup phase at the moment, uh, where we'll be working with legislators like me on a cross-party basis in as many countries as possible around the world to talk about what more we should and could be doing in an informed and evidenced way. Uh, and I'm uh, all being well looking forward to welcoming um, a good handful of countries uh, to the UK early next calendar year um, to have that conversation. Look, thank you very much for your time today. Pleasure, thanks. So, is it a surprise that the government is a bit incoherent <laughs> when it comes to tech? I mean, it's not, is it? No. I don't think it comes as a surprise to anyone. It's just worrying because um, there's obviously such a tension between big tech and government at the minute, um, and it and it and also then between with the public as well. Uh, and then we're kind of the ones that lose out. I think mm. when when we have you know government not really understanding the a lot of the regulation side of and like internal processes of companies and where tech is going and um yeah the ins and outs of it as as you mentioned it's like they don't have a tech background like that's quite scary and mm. then on the other hand you have tech businesses that you know whilst everyone's not evil that works for um big tech companies it they're still helps. just a profit making <laughs> business and that means that commercial interests are always going to trump um you know public interest really uh so yeah it's just that that i think that's an interesting point that comes up in what he's saying about this whole idea that politicians get elected on a mandate and they are looking after the interests of the population of the uk right yeah, yeah their constituency right? yeah exactly whereas silicon valley is not no and silicon valley sets its own rules not the UK government. Yeah. And there is this, he alludes to it, but there is this definite tightrope that the government now has to, to walk uh, between restricting liberties and free speech yeah. and also protecting us. If it, wasn't, if it wasn't for Brexit, right, I would feel sympathy for our government, right? Because they're all, like you say, none of these are specialists in tech, which is worrying anyway, yeah. but that's by the by. Well, not, not, not many of them no not Dar many of Darren them. is I mean yeah, he, yeah, to be yeah. fair he comes across as someone yeah. who's really switched on which he is understands great. what's actually happening Darren's a PM as far as I'm concerned but anyway <laughs> um, uh, my, my point being I would feel sort of, sorry if, if they didn't fuck up Brexit and if Brexit wasn't a shamble of lies and tortuous people just getting disgustingly vehemently nasty views across Ooh. for the sake of slight political gain take all of that out of it I would feel sorry because it's ridiculous that our government cannot keep up with big tech no government can keep up with big tech that's yeah. why we regulation lags behind and like Darren says and they're never these private companies are never going to consider local constituency laws in the UK let alone even in America and yeah. stuff so it's kind of I mean I don't know and my answer is quite simple I think AI could be used to help regulate but then who puts the AI in place, you know. Yes, I mean, there's so much bias in that. And you're talking about, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, the valley, which is full of people that have been told since they even probably had a, a 
a conception of an idea you know move fast and break things and yeah. that's what's important and all that's important is profit and growing and growth um and i feel like we're now on the we're, we're working a bit backwards with regulation mm-hmm. and things like that where it wasn't thought about enough at the start um when we didn't really know enough about it when you know facebook was founded and all these things so now we're kind of trying to retract and governments are like oh shit there's you know people getting harmed online and there's people's data being uh, used for third parties and things like you know what do we do about that and it's these, this wasn't put in place at the start so now yeah we're having to backtrack a bit and it's I'm hard glad, to do that i'm glad Reactive. that he recognizes though that realistically government isn't going to be able to be the body that regulates what what he kind of suggests right is that there is going to have to be some kind of body forms that has the ability or the authority to do this for for parliament yeah because along with everything else looking yeah. after kind of politics and policies and, and manifestos etc they don't have the yeah. bandwidth yeah yeah he, he admits that and he says he kind of he kind of backs up what everyone have been calling for towards the back end of the interview which is really positive because I often yeah. I often get the feeling that some people in politics see this as a as an ability to point score to grab the agenda to push oh, yeah. for political yeah. um, you know and I'm not saying that this is an example of this because I haven't read I haven't read the story so I don't know for sure but Amber Rudd today has been speaking about automation and I don't know the angle she's taken about it she might be talking from a really kind of positive point of view and just trying to raise the agenda but the cynic in me thinks. Oh well, it's someone who's who's trying to get limelight and talk about this and how awful it all is. I, I yeah. don't know. Well, what in the terms of like, don't throw like like what Kate Mills says. Don't throw blockchain at a solution just for the sake of it. Yeah. Don't mention automation just for the sake of it. Government. Don't buy into it. Don't yeah. utilize it unless we know what we're doing it for. I've always felt that government basically they get very 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 interested in a particular issue if they think it resonates with the public and there's a bit of anger out there at any particular time. Yeah. Like the big society. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Let's talk about this because we know that voters are switched on rather than, you know, we always talk about uh, in sales. It's always like, you know, you should you should be doing the good things when your customer isn't looking. It's kind of like government should be doing that with tech. It's not it's not good enough just to go, I want Facebook bad. Yeah, let's do something about Facebook. It's like we need something acting on behalf of people's interests all the time with the authority to do this. And, And clearly that doesn't exist. Yeah. Well, that's the problem, isn't it? Because it's. The public on a whole, it's mirroring what, what they're being told about and what they're aware of. So, you know, I mean, I'm talking about members of the public that might not be that clued into tech and, and, and things that are happening around it. Like, yeah, so the government are just going to be talking about driverless cars and whether robots are going to take our jobs <laughs> and like all these things that... That's for us to talk about, not yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but all these things that are going to resonate with the kind of general public. So, I don't know, how, do you see a way in which tech companies and the government can work together um i think it comes via something like the the team that darren is talking about and then he also mentions like within each party there's well he talks about a labor digital team yeah one could only assume there's a tory and lib dem one as well they need to be joined up they need to i mean as darren says they parliament doesn't understand the scale of things changing and you know their committee does not have enough clout that committee needs to be given clout or it needs to embody something more I have to say of all the things that he said that was possibly the most troubling because yeah, I, I, yeah. I don't think you need to be a tech expert to understand that no. the world's r- rapidly changing around yeah. you yeah. <laughs> no not at all yeah um, I don't know it almost feels like government needs to or parliament needs to be more open and aware of what's going on and unfortunately 
just further kind of puts in place the idea that they're in a bubble in a but Westminster that, bubble that that's comes, cut off from what's going on that totally comes back to my point on if they didn't fuck up Brexit so much I would feel sympathy for them because they have a million and one things to do day in day out to represent their constituents and to you know politically score points themselves and so on and so forth so I, I do sympathise with them a bit if they weren't ballsing everything else up in the country yeah. what we need and I'm sure Darren will agree with is for his group his select committee to be given the power the, you know not just to get together and, and discuss and try and implement but to actually have that authoritative voice and yeah. yeah, I mean, going forward, then, does it? Do we need to? Um, you know, would it be ideal if if people going into government into these kind of select committees or working additional roles actually did have some kind of background in tech? Yeah, and, you know, and they're not yeah. just people that are being shifted around within Parliament that that, that <laughs> like kind of might just be the best. Yeah, it yeah, might just be the best of the bad bunch, not actually have a clue yeah. about it. Um, because otherwise. It's like you're giving power to people that also don't know what they're doing with it, and, and that's also dangerous. Then as it's well. not really it's democracy; a, it's uh, <laughs> it's a tech, totalitarian. Tech, no, no, it's, but it's some kind of technocrat style yeah, form of. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, where you've got where you've got someone who who where you're electing experts effectively. Yeah, like which is kind of what you want to be doing, but well, unfortunately, you you need people to stand. Yeah. And so it, it kind of harks Catch back to a bit. The, the, the general public need to wake up to what's going on. And yeah. the general public need to not be so obsessed with Brexit and Johnny Foreigner, to be perfectly honest. Yep. And they need to understand that actually there are there's bigger challenges yeah. like the environment, but also like automation and technology yeah. that we need to be talking about. Yeah. And the agenda needs to stop being hijacked by individual focus groups that have crazy partisan <laughs> agendas that are just that are wasting time we're talking yeah. about the wrong things to rip hey, hey. another layer of and the and I say onion. that as the sun comes out yeah, by the way nice uh, yeah. <laughs> to, uh, to rip another on you. another layer of the onion away does government not need to be a more attractive proposition to work there for this not so my point being that if we want techies to be involved with government and we almost want them to move out of their private private company cloud where it's everything's paid yeah. for everything's done how then so why, like, why would they yeah, why would they leave yeah. an amazing tech role at an amazing tech company yeah. to help the government who are bureaucratic slow yeah. and you know a bit of a shithouse at the moment well that's it isn't it they're bureaucratic slow and the, the you know people are completely fed up and like disenfranchised with yeah. with politics yeah. and with politicians and with the government so they're not going to want to listen to them unless they can start to feel like they're actually understanding or talking about um, issues they care about. And it's, yeah, especially with the whole Brexit landscape, like, I just, I just, yeah. there's just such a distrust and disconnect between between the three things. And, and what just always sticks in my mind was, I mean, it always goes back to Facebook and there's much more to it than that, but, but the, you know, Congress... Uh, and Zuckerberg it was so terrifying like watching these people that are elected in America <laughs> yeah. just ask like so how'd you make he money then did <laughs> not act, he did not we make ads right? <laughs> yeah that's it um, but you know did not get grilled at all did not get held accountable at all we still don't know what went on really like mm. nothing was came out and if if that is is you know, would be replicated again, it yeah. would just be disastrous because if that's as good as it gets for them having a go at Facebook, mm. it's just not good enough. Mm. And no no one will want to go work with people like that because they see their inability. And yeah. unless you know unless you're a passionate sort of civil servant esque type that wants to change, 
things yeah. for good, like public and stuff like that. I pointed there because we're sitting in public. We're sitting outside public. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, public. But, <laughs> and, and I'm not having to go at them, but the responsibility comes on public as well. Mm. You know, people like, I mean, they're, they're doing amazing stuff for startups and stuff like that. Maybe public can take this on yeah. and, you know. I fear that we've probably rambled enough on this. Yeah. What, yeah. What's clear is that we're generally concerned. Concern. There's just a lot of concern, worry, fear, <laughs> doubt, confusion. But if we let Darren lead, yeah. I don't think we will have any of that. So, yeah. Jack, Jack, you are starting the campaign for Darren to be yeah. you, the next Biggest leader of the Labour Party. Look, I love JC. You know I love Corbyn. Um, I don't love his stand on anti-Semitism whatsoever. But or, or Europe. Uh, he's a bit of a flip flopper, isn't he? He's a, he's a bit staunch of a wet, wet. lever, but he's a bit yeah. like today. He's a bit of a yeah. He's a bit of a washout. Yeah, he is. But you know, JC's not going to be around forever. I would have loved to have known if Darren was more of a, a JC or a Tony Blair. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I JC's don't. also a baby boomer, you know. Yeah, I know, but he's it, you, so, so is Bernie Sanders. But it doesn't mean he's a prick, does it? No. <laughs> right. With that, let's no, go to our break. <laughs> Tech Talks are partnering with Alive and Kicking, a charity that set up businesses that manufacture beautiful sports balls across sub-Saharan Africa. Using profits from ball sales and additional fundraising from events like the Hackney Half Marathon, they're able to train sports coaches to deliver vital health education. We're about to hear from Naomi, a coach in Zambia, who's been trained to deliver mental health education to her community. Hello there, this is Coach Naomi from Zambia. I would love to say about Alive and Kicking training, which has helped me to teach my players about like mental health. It has really built my knowledge and they have passed through to my young players in, in the community. I also work with Special Olympics where we deal with children with disability, mentally and physically. I hope and trust that the Alive and Kicking will continue teaching coaches in various parts of the world, not just in Zambia. Thank you very much, Alive and Kicking. Welcome back to Tech Talks. Um, let's talk about some, some topical news. Uh, Apple braces for EU investigation yeah. after Spotify complaint. Oh. See about this? Spotify complaint. Yeah, yeah, right. So um, basically, I thought this was really interesting and, and it might be that this is the only news item that we talk about today because we... Put we, mine away then. Just no, no. pull it, throw it on the ground. <laughs> we'll get to it, we'll get to it. This, this, is, um, this is in The Guardian uh, earlier in the week. Basically, it's about antitrust. Spotify are complaining about anti-competitive behaviour because they are suggesting that a 30% fee is being added by Apple uh, for digital content. Basically, Apple are charging digital content providers such as Spotify a 30% fee for using its payment system for any subscription sold through the App Store. And they're saying that's anti-competition. Right, Uh. guys, correct. I understand the fairness of competition, yes. And I understand why Spotify would be like, hang on a minute, this needs to be a fair marketplace. But Apple built the fucking marketplace. Yeah, and also, <laughs> Spotify, why don't you give your artists some more money before you start fucking... That's a different it? issue. No, I know, but people in glass houses and also... Yeah, no, it's so true because, like, artists get hardly anything from what Spotify players and they're complaining about not getting, you know, X amount of extra profit. If they want to use Google's platform, uh, Apple's platform... Yeah. Play ball. And look, none of us are going to sit here and be like, Apple are so good, we love Apple, oh, aren't they amazing? But... 
if you want to use their service and their platform, fucking so, fuck so, up. so here we go. So the Financial Times reported on Monday that the European Commission had decided that there was grounds for a formal investigation following a complaint filed by Spotify in March. But the goes on. Um, the European Commission spokesman said uh, the Commission has received a complaint by Spotify. Uh, the, the big tech, basically. The commission has been a thorn in the in the side of big tech. So Google alone has been handed more than eight billion euros worth of EU fines in antitrust like cases. A lot, but it's not really is it? when you're not paying it's tax. Not. <laughs> uh, in 2017, Apple was forced to pay back 13 billion euros on the back in back taxes after ruling that its tax deal with the Irish government amounted to illegal state aid. Um, Spotify. I'm, parapha- I'm paraphrasing huge chunks of this. Um, is embroiled in a battle with rivals such as Google's Play Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, and Tidal. It's but that's that's just yeah, exactly. <laughs> capitalism. That's the way of the market. And also, this just goes back to the. I feel we're in a kind of landscape now where we're so tech, we're so saturated with tech companies that mm. all want their own slice of the pie, and they yeah. don't want any other company to touch any part of it. And they all want to believe that they're in a niche and they're going to be the top of the pile in the niche. And like, and in cases like this, it's like. Okay, you actually could probably work better having you do you know what you do best, but yep. you have this platform and payments a service that Apple do that they probably do better. Um, but no, obviously yeah. it all goes back to money. It all goes back to, <laughs> and also all, all goes back to Apple being Apple. You know, they yeah. invented the iPhone fifteen years ago, or whatever. But I mean, basically, and then the rest is history. Spotify <laughs> basically saying that it, that they're they're getting annoyed because it feels like there's special treatment being placed against against them because basically. Um, when you look at Uber and Deliveroo, they're not subject to the 30% app store charge. So they're saying it's not a Spotify yeah. versus oh, Apple okay. issue. We should all be subject to the same set of fair rules and restrictions, yeah. including fair. Apple Music. That's fair. That yes, fair. but again, Apple don't have iEats and iTaxi. Yet. <laughs> Yet. Like, they might do, but yeah, no, I see your point. I, I, I see your point. I, I get... I, what I'm almost thinking is that surely it, it raises the point that there should be some alternative to the app store, yeah. like some kind of free state-regulated platform for you to and get access to monop- Spotify or whatever else. Then, fair enough, like if Spotify had an alternative to put yeah. itself on other than the app store, yeah. which is Apple's, I kind of I can understand the complaint. I understand yeah. why you need fairness, but at the same time, it's Apple's fucking platform. I just love the fact that we just talked about how hard it is for government to influence. <laughs> you know, what the government need to do is they need to make a platform that's fair for every. Yeah, you, you, you're utopian there, David. Yeah, yeah no, but you kind of get what I'm saying. Right? <laughs> no, yeah. totally. Yeah, and yeah, also yeah. It goes back it's to because there's not, an, there's not an alternative needed. ecosystem yeah. that's available apart from Apple's, which they built for exactly this purpose. And they yeah. were always going to charge their rivals. Yeah. extra like yeah, exactly. welcome to the real world yeah and I'm sure they do the same but it just goes back to the tech giants having monopolies yeah. Yeah. over things yeah. that you don't even think of yeah. like yeah. just just yeah like the the way that, and Amazon and things like that the way they're just getting their little tendrils in every kind of area um, it just completely evidences that but with this I'm like okay Maybe so they filed yeah <laughs> so they filed a complaint but I'd love to know, like, what led up to this? You know, did they contact Apple? Was there any internal things going on? Or were they just, like, straight to the commission? Like, going to, going to, your, the, going um, to your dad? Like, <laughs> well, exactly. Oh, going, going, to, going, going to your dad is an interesting analogy because, of course, Spotify is Swedish and European and Apple oh, is big, bad uh, yeah. US tech. So you kind of assume that maybe mm. the commission would be like, hey, let's protect the European, European guys. I don't know. Who does know? 
Who, who knows? Anyway, look, I, I don't have a clear answer on this. I just thought it was interesting because I, mm. I can see yeah. why Spotify are uh, frustrated, totally. Yeah. But equally, like, let's get real. You're yeah. using Apple's platform. Like, if this is really to go away, it shouldn't be about just blasting Apple with fines all the time and Google with fines. It's about actually finding an alternative fair platform. Maybe it doesn't need to be 30% of whatever it is. It needs to be lower than that just to keep them happy. Well, Spotify are arguing that it should be a fair place. Apple could turn around and go, well, everyone's got a 30%. <laughs> Off 30%. our marketplace, yeah, go everyone then. Then. Yeah. 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 But the marketplace is the biggest marketplace in the world. So and also that's they'll probably the issue, come probably. back with tough luck, this is competition, yeah. and your arrival. Yeah. yeah grow up. <laughs> <sighs> What's your news article, mate? What you got yeah, for us, Jack? It's a, it's a good one. It's from The Verve. Verge. It's from The Verge. <laughs> the Verve? The Verve, yeah. Really they've decided that the the yeah. music is not enough. Yeah, yeah. It's a bittersweet. Tech for Out of interest, did you see Neil the Neil Warnock crazy yes, down the camera stuck to the yeah, Verve? Perfect. Yeah, okay. Have a perfect. look at that on. Go go online. Maybe type in Verve and Warnock. If you tweet, if you go through my tweets, it'll be there. There you go. Anyway. I'm sure I retweet it. Anyway, um, so game studios would be banned from selling loot boxes to miners under new bill. Uh, that was written by Makina Kelly uh, from The Verge. So on Wednesday, this is a, a US based article. So I don't know if it's going to apply to us heavily, but one hopes. Yeah. Loot by the way, is like. From a cultural point of view, when you said miners, I didn't think of youngsters. I thought of people down holes in the ground. <laughs> oh, that's your, that's your northern upbringing, isn't it, Dave? I, like, uh, I almost oh, spit at my yeah. tea. Well, this isn't a term we use in the UK that much exactly. because of that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. And so on Wednesday, on Wednesday, <laughs> this is about Billy Elliot. <laughs> Carry on. On Wednesday, Senator Josh Hawley announced that he would be introducing a bill banning manipulative design features in video games with underage audiences, including the sale of loot boxes. Um, Social media and video games prey on user addiction, siphoning our kids. Attention from the real world and extracting profits from fostering compulsive habits, Hawley said. No matter this business, hang on, let me try again. No matter this business model's advantages to the tech industry, one thing is clear: there is no excuse for exploiting children through such practices. So this is basically looking at games on the app store that you pay to play with, basically. So there's some games that you can say, for example, I play a football game. Um, if you can't get past the level, uh, you can pay to get the coins to progress the level, or you have to keep redoing the levels until you pass them all. And there's this thing where, where you know, it's, it's the same on um, Fortnite, isn't it? I was it? just going to say, you pay to It doesn't actually affect and... the gameplay, but yeah, yeah. but they want it, obviously. Customization. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's become a thing where, like, back in the day, it would have been like, which trainers have you got at school whereas yeah, now it's yeah. what skin have yeah. you got yeah. which trainers does your yeah. skin have on Fortnite <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. just a whole other layer of it oh um, Jesus but this is, this is great news not, kid. this is great news because I know from first hand experience when I was 16 had my first bank account and there was 20 quid in there I rinsed money on FIFA Ultimate Team which is slightly different to this um, it, in that it's probably not aimed at minors but it's something that still to this day I spend money on the last yeah, Star I do. I yeah, do. yeah, the last Star Wars game was full of loot boxes until they got rid of it, and people were fuming at it because you could pay to unlock Darth Vader, say, or you could spend thirty hours playing it to get there, and it's just not fair, and especially when kids are selling, uh, spending their pocket money. Oh look, I I, I spend money on. Uh, a game called Score, a stupid football flick game. Wait, that's the one I'm talking about. No. Oh, is it? Yes. Oh, yeah, you oh look at Basically, you. You they, didn't they, know you had that in With common. the team, right? Well, anyway, you progress through yeah. career and you play this and you had to flick it around a pitch. But the thing is, it basically gives you about 10 minutes of gameplay and then you had to wait 15 minutes to get about another 10 minutes of gameplay. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's the same game. Same same game. game yeah. uh, and, and it's so frustrating that I quite frequently just go, Two 24 hours. 24 hours, yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, like, it's so and they know that you'll do that. Yeah, which is fair enough because 
I, I'm, that's my salary yeah. and I'm an adult and yeah. I make that choice. But when it's yeah. a kid and it's the parents' phone and we yeah. do we do hear those stories of kids suddenly running up thousands of pounds with the phone. Yeah, phone. but then in that in that sense it's like, well, isn't it the parents up to the parents to be watching their kids and not oh, have yeah. their parents and not have your kids have access to your, your I account. do feel sorry for parents. Because it was yeah, and it, it must be hard, but like when I was younger, it wasn't so much with games, but I remember when I first got an iPod and I had to set up an you know, a credit card with it. And obviously I didn't have one because I was like twelve. Um so my dad's account was linked to it and I'd have to tell him every time I brought anything because yeah. like he'd not firstly he'd know because he doesn't he, you know he's not that rich to just not know that thousands of pounds coming out of him <laughs> firstly um, but secondly it was like yeah like he was always aware of it and it was his responsibility there, to there's, there's a good point right like if you've got a teenage child now and they have a phone and on that phone they might need to make the odd purchase if you set it up with Monzo say yeah. right yeah. you get you get an yeah. alert every single time yeah. that anything went through anyway so there are I suppose that's a good use of fintech to at yeah. least yeah. increase that transparency the parents yeah. go hang on a minute what What are you doing yeah. stop and then you can freeze it and he's like dad look at this new six skin I've got on Fortnite they, you don't even, yeah. need to give them, don't even need to give them a card actually think about it because you've set up a virtual yeah. card in some of the apps yeah. so that you can just go no, burn that card because that's not right or the apps themselves could have like an in-store wallet where you can upload money to from a card rather do. than yeah but rather than actually just pressing pay every time so your dad or mum could put in £10 a month yeah. to use on that game and you can't add to it or anything like there, there is ways of getting around yeah. this but because you know, I do think longer, it's coming it? from a good a good place of yeah. not wanting to exploit kids because I think that's completely fair and not um yeah and, and game companies know what they're doing when they Absolutely. are kind of getting kids hooked with their attention and then and then like teasing them for more and it, like you said it's building that competition isn't yeah. it and it'll yeah. be this yeah like showing off at school because you your parents have the money to let you get the yeah. latest game it's not it's not getting the latest game anymore so it's, it's having the online game that's free but getting all these extras in it so yeah. i completely yeah i think it's a completely fair thing to aim for but i just don't think that that Tech won't care. Yeah, the game. So Tech we, won't care, we... and just like completely getting rid of loot boxes is not going to prevent the exploitation of miners. So we're saying good that he's raising the issue, but maybe we're a bit pessimistic about it. Again, it's politician jumping on a single issue, isn't it? There you go. Yeah, and the fact that in there, I think, I think when he said something about you know being distracting them from the real world, yeah. I was like, oh, it's that same thing, isn't that's it? Such Kid, old kids today, yeah. they don't pay any attention to the playing on parents' fears and trying to get people to go, yeah, this, yeah, let's yeah. let's back him rather than actually. It's political points. That's what he's doing it for. That's what anyone does it for. Jack, apart so from Darren. a well-picked huh? article. Yeah, yeah, very yeah. relevant. Makes, nice. makes a change. <laughs> right, the sun's shining, so I think it's a good time to wrap up today's pod. Um, and uh, I thought you were going to cheers me with a glass of water <laughs> cheers mate yeah. uh, if you're around in London later today why not come along to our event 6.30 at White City you can talk to all three of us 